0: Welcome to a special ATP Tennis Radio podcast looking back on the Nitto ATP Finals and bringing you a selection of the finest guests we were lucky enough to talk with throughout a thrilling
1: week at London's O2.
2: This is just the, the perfect scenario, having the singles and doubles combined under the one roof.
1: When you see uh, like players like Rafa, who's not feeling 100%, even try to come here, because that event uh, means so much for the, the top player in the world.
3: Uh, that's what happened to me when I go to Roland Garros. I need to hear, like, oh, you lost to Moya, oh, you lost to Querten, oh, you lost to Skorsten in the semis, but you never won it. I'm like, I know. So finally, the end of the year, the Masters come in, and I can say, yes, I won.
4: The atmosphere here is, is a lot better than it was in Madison Square Garden. Uh, these doubles guys must have thought they died and gone to heaven. The NITO ATP finals were of
0: course a celebration of the finest players in 2017 and they were also a chance to honour greats of the past with the 90s the chosen decade. Spain's Alex Coretia won these finals in 1998 at the age of
3: 24 and 19 years later he's still looking a picture of health. Thank you, it's just amazing, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm not looking the same, probably my face, but my hair is very grey I let some beer grow and my mom is very upset about it but it's fine as long as my wife likes it you know and yeah it's funny but it's just a very special situation being here again and especially when you see your name down there you know like oh i won here because you don't think about that on your daily basis but once you're here you feel very proud about it and seeing your name among
0: all the other names, of course, and many of those people are, are here. how nice is it to to rejoin and and rub shoulders again with those those players?
3: Well, it is very very special because before they used to be your opponents, and you tried to beat them and You don't have that much time to spend moments with them, you know, like you only played and then you just say hello in the locker room and that's it. And now when you see each other, you talk, you chat about whatever, you give a big hug, you know, which before you just say, hey, hello, how you doing? And you see them almost every week on the the tour. And now it's a big lot of memories, you know, with all of them. You've been playing, you've been winning, you've been losing, but it's very, very special.
0: What do you make of the O2 and all of this and what this tournament has become? That,
3: that's, uh, I'm telling you what, When I every time I step in here, I feel like, wow, what is this? This is a, a joke. I mean, I never played as a player, but come here, I came here when I was working with Andy Murray on his team. I came as a Davis Cup captain for Spain and now as a friend from the ATP or as an ex-player. And when I sat down on the stadium and with all the lights, on the all the crowd, full house, uh, it makes you feel that this is something very special. And I'm very pleased that the ATP did a great job to promote this event as much as they can. And also in a city like London, you know, because, you know, it's such a special city. And, well, it's just lovely to be here.
0: Now, 1998, you started off in a group with Rios, Agassi and Henman, but then there were lots of alternates, and you've just had a debate as well with Greg Rosetsky. Tell me about that.
3: Well, you know, it's the end of the year. Uh, We are all very tired, and physically it's very demanding. And, yeah, I remember Rios pulling out because uh, Sampras finishes the year for number one for the sixth consecutive year or something like that. So as soon as he saw that he had no chance, he pulled out. And uh, also, Agassi, it was it was funny because we were practicing together like the Sunday before the tournament start, and he got hurt on his back. And then they made the draw, and, and we faced each other in the first round. So I knew that he was back. His back was hurt. And I was leading, and I was up in the third set when he retired. So, yeah, but even if it's an alternate, you know, it's always coming like someone which is, might maybe 10 or 11 in the world. It's not like you know, like uh, top 200s coming into the tour. And so but all the matches are very tough.
0: And you got through the group and uh, Pete, meanwhile, came through the other group for the loss of just 15 games. You played him in the semi-final. He was the overwhelming favorite.
3: I, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I knew that. At the same time I felt like I had a chance because first we played against each other like two years back in uh, ninety six at the US Open, I had match point against him. I know it was hard courts and I was indoors, with is a little bit different, but also uh, I thought that he might be already satisfied because he already won the Masters Cup several times and he was number one already. And so playing the semis against me, I felt like maybe he feels like it's gonna be an easy match. So let's, let's face like a very tough match, you know, with long points, even if he serves on volley, when I serve very slow, you know, to make him feel like it's gonna be uh, long. And yeah, at the end, yeah, he had three match points. I saved that and yeah, lucky for me that, that then I came through.
0: And then you played your countryman Carlos Moya, I was speaking with him about it earlier, he was saying, you know, it's not a great memory for him. The French Open, he likes talking about the French Open that year, but not about that one. But y- you knew each other's games so well, of course.
3: Well, that's what happened to me when I got to Roland Garros. I need to hear like, oh, you lost to Moya, oh, you lost to Cuerten, oh, you lost to Costa in the semis. But you never won it. I'm like, I know. So finally, at the end of the year, the Masters coming and I can say, yes, I won. And yeah, it was very difficult because two sets to laugh down, you know, it was almost impossible to come back. Especially, I uh, haven't won a set to Carlos on that year. Lost Monte Carlo straight sets, French Open straight sets, US Open straight sets. And I was losing 6-3, 6-3 in the finals. But I felt like if I could break him once, maybe I could turn around. And that's what happened. And we spent four hours on the court and at the end it was me who won.
0: And just finally, I-, I want to ask you about Rafa, who obviously unfortunately bowed out, a fellow Spaniard. Oh, of yours, of course. Um, how I remember you talking, and you told me a wonderful story in Madrid about your first impression, your first meeting, and the first time you hit with Rafa. What do you make of Rafa now, and are we going to see a full-on Rafa in 2018?
3: Well, first I hope yes, because I think tennis needs Rafa. Rafa needs tennis. We all love them. Uh, I think he brings so much to tennis, not just in Spain, all over the world. Uh, I think he improved so much his game, He's uh, this year he played much more aggressive, uh, let's say that the way he won at the French Open, it was amazing. And then at the US Open as well, first couple of rounds not so well, but then he was playing unbelievable tennis, very aggressive and, and the way Rafa is playing now, I think he can play for many more years to come. because. It's not the same Rafa than when he was playing like maybe three and a half hours to win six, four seven five six three. Now he can win six three six two six two in one and a half hours and that makes a big difference especially at the end of the tournaments.
0: Another of those being honored was two-time grand slam winner and former Olympic champion Yevgeny Kofelnikov who graced the finals in seven consecutive years from' '95 through to 2001.
5: So much memories, you know, playing with those guys, sharing the locker room, and uh, we, we, we do recall some of the epic matches that we played against each other, and you know, it's like, like you said, it's, it's nice to catch up with those guys and, and have, you know, occasional casual drink and, and, and share some thoughts.
0: Just allow me to ask you about your first finals. You played seven, as I mentioned, you first know, in 1995. Yeah, in a row. First one in 1995. First match, nice and easy against the defending champion Pete Sampras. What what were your memories of that game?
5: I was 21 years old. Obviously, there was a, it was a goal of mine to to make it that the uh, World Tour Finals, you know, where the best uh, players, best eight players are competing, and to play against the uh, you know a legend like Pete. It was, it, was, it was an awesome experience. I will always it uh, for the rest of my life.
0: And not only did you get to play Pete, you got to play the other guy that the, that the group was named after, Boris Becker. Um, you know, it wasn't
5: the greatest of draws. Look, I, th- th- those, those two guys are best indoor players uh, probably. Ira. I ever played against, and, and, and to be honest, uh, up until day, up until this day, I still think the best match I ever witnessed uh, that uh, those two guys played against each other in 1996 in the Hanover final. I think that was the best tennis I've ever saw it. And if I ever can recommend someone to watch the best tennis, uh, they should go on YouTube and watch that match.
0: Two years later. You were 23. You were imbued yes. with a bit more confidence, obviously. And you that year, it really seemed to click for you. What What are your memories of, well, the semi final against Carlos?
5: Uh, as as I recall, I was probably one of the best shapers of my life playing indoor season. You know, I came from winning title in Moscow, not only winning title, but I had to win the title to qualify it for for the for the two, for the tournament. And uh, I remember just saving. No problems whatsoever against uh, Michael Chang, Jonas Bjorkman, you know, obviously beating Carlsen in, in, the, in the semis and then of course I had to come up against the legend who has drilled me three straight sets. But again, you know, it's uh, memories that will always stay with me for the rest of my life. And you played a lot of doubles in your career. Um, how much did that help you with your tennis? Uh, no question, doubles game. Really helped my my singles Cause, you know I, I wasn't a big fan of, of, of practicing uh, long enough, but you know throughout doubles I was practicing my serve and volley game, returns, which was quite necessary for the singles, and uh, that's why I was able to, to play you know all sort of different surfaces. I was successful on in clay, indoor, you know I was even good enough on grass to win winning the tournament. So definitely doubles was a huge part of my success.
0: So given the new Laws that have come in recently, the last few years, that are making doubles games shorter. Are you surprised that more top players aren't doing both? Like we've seen, Ryan Harrison here. He's
5: he's top 50 in the world, top top 40-ish. Are you surprised more of the top guys aren't playing more doubles? Uh, to be honest, defense wants to because doubles games is very exciting. And, uh, you know, I found that you know. When you are playing against a uh, t- top-class uh, doubles team, it's it's nice for the fans really to enjoy the, the skills of the, each player. And I think throughout doubles games, you can really see the skills of the of the players. And I'm, I'm very surprised that none of the, none of the top players uh, play more often in uh, doubles matches.
0: One man who came up against Kafelnikov. In fact, he beat Yevgeny to reach the 2001 final is Frenchman Sébastien Grosjean, an ambassador for Lacoste for the past 16 years and very proud of their involvement in the under-14 international invitational held as part of the event.
1: That's really uh, special. The invitation tournament is the third, uh, third time here at the O2 Arena and uh, 15 years anniversary of partnership with uh, ATP and Lacoste and I'm with Lacoste for 15 years as well. So uh, that's really special event for me and uh, it's a wonderful place to organize an event. You
0: say it's a special event for you. You, of course, have good memories, happy memories of playing in the event yourself.
1: Yes, it's, uh, it's amazing to be uh, qualified for the finals, you know, at the end of the year, to be part of the top eight in the world. And uh, for me, it wasn't here in London. It was uh, 16 years ago in Australia, in Sydney, and uh, I made the final, and. Uh, you know, it was uh, that, those years where you didn't uh, have the doubles the same week, so the court was different, and it was still best of five. Uh, but yeah, it's a great memory to be just qualify for this uh, special tournament.
0: You played one, got through to the final in one. That semi-final must be such a difficult match to you know t- to put it all together in, given what's happened in the previous week. How do you approach that match?
1: Uh, you, you know, I qualify and, uh, you know, I won two matches in my group plus one. It was, I mean, it was a tough group. And then uh, I played uh, Kafelnikov uh, in a semis who I just beat him, you know, like uh, uh, 10 days before at the final in Be- in Bercy. So I had the confidence of that match. But uh, once you, you won one or two matches, you're in a tournament. And then you, it's the same as every week you have a semis and then, maybe in a final so the group stage is a little bit different because you can you know lose one match and keep you know going so after you you have to play every time your best tennis because that's when you're going to play the best player at the end of the tournament so it's uh it's uh, another opportunity to do well uh in the big event and
0: memories of the final
1: uh it was uh wasn't the result i was looking for but, uh, you know, I had the uh, best player in front of me uh, who finished number one late on uh who won the, the finals and finished number one for the first time. He's still the youngest uh, to finish the year uh, at that position.
0: In the context of your career, you know, you played Grand Slams and you won Masters events. Where does qualifying for that year-end finals rank?
1: Yeah, you know, that's the event just after the slam. That's the, the last... Big events of the year, the, the cherry on the cake, you know, for the ATP because uh, that's the tournament who's owned by the ATP now, and the top, you know, like uh, the top player of the year, it's like a, a world championship of the best player of, uh, of that year. So, you know what, when you see uh, like players like Rafa who's not feeling 100 percent, even try to come here because that event uh, uh, means so much for the, the top player in the world. Uh, so, yeah, the slam, the, the finals, that's our sport. That's the, the best event in uh, our sport.
0: One half of the great doubles partnership, the Woodies, Mark Woodford was also very much part of the 90s celebrations, but we were also delighted to welcome him into the ATP Tennis Radio commentary team throughout the week. And in one break in play, he joined fellow presenter Gigi Salmon and Miles McLagan, Andy Murray's former coach, to talk doubles.
2: Unfortunately for for uh, us in the 90s, playing in that decade, the doubles was actually separated. So we yeah. played down in Johannesburg, which was well received. Obviously, there were some because they had a wealth of good doubles players down there as well, didn't they? Exactly, some some uh, great history there. Um, we also played a couple of years in Holland, and then also in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, they they so that was when the doubles was separated from the singles. Which uh, I understand that the you know the marketing idea behind that, yeah. but I think this is just the the perfect scenario having the singles and doubles combined under the one roof same tournament you know I just wish I just wish some of the uh, like back in the 70s and 80s that maybe more singles players will also qualify for the doubles final. Do you think we'd ever see that again Mars? Uh, we've had a, a few close I mean Yevgeny Kofalnikov was the last guy to in and, and Radek
6: Stepanek was you know he, he made here one year yeah. Well, just he was when the alternate list went down a bit and and he was a top doubles player. Jack Sock could he be could, he you could. know the Absolutely, leading candidate yeah. yes because yeah. yeah. he's been the Absolutely. highest combined ranking player for a while if you combine the singles and yeah, well, yeah the, the, the best uh.
2: so in my mind he, he's elevated to the top of the tree he's my <laughs> he's my favorite player oh, is he of, your favorite? of the week yes so just because of that fact that he plays singles and doubles and you know the the effort that he's uh, or the results that he's accumulated this week but also yeah, I mean he is one of the the you know top doubles players in the world and and we
6: see it some beautiful touches around I mean there is talk sometimes about maybe combining the the, the rankings and you know the doubles could be uh, I think it's a long way from happening but some people think about you know 25% of your points could Mm. be doubles and you know it could be big if if the number one's on the line as it was close to this year and you know Roger's thinking well if I can get you know win the doubles as well I mean what what do you think about Imagine that going
2: off I think I might go off and play a doubles (laughs) tournament next week see if I can But 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 who's
6: to say I mean we that's the direction it's gone and the stars play singles and that's where the money is but if it was if the focus was changed that might all come about and you know Do you think
7: because the calendar's quite busy very busy as it is so imagine if these guys had an opportunity I mean we're seeing some fairly exhausted people down there on these courts at this stage of the year if they were playing it'd be, I, I love Indian Wells football for many reasons one of the reasons is because 90% of the big guys enter into the doubles competition you see Nadal taking to the doubles court and it, Novak Djokovic on doubles court Andy Murray might play doubles and it's great because you don't always see that and yeah. it's really exciting for the crowd they're like oh my god I'm watching Nadal playing doubles with Mark Lopez taking on Novak Djokovic it's just something you don't it's, always see it's
2: probably the, the um, most competitive doubles tournament of the year and um, <laughs> we the out the stadiums, does not it? Yeah.
7: Oh, absolutely. If you know, you're going to see those. I always feel that the doubles specialists, I don't know, maybe they look at it, maybe you'd look at it, Mark, if suddenly these, these big guys appeared that this is a challenge. Or maybe you'd be annoyed thinking, hang on, this is our tournament, this is our ground. Don't you come into this Masters 1000 try and steal our points? Or would you have thought, this is a challenge? We are here, this is our territory, we're going to show
2: them. Um, well, I'm, I'm an advocate for the doubles players, the doubles specialists to play. You know, a few more singles events, yep. and, and certainly advocating the the top singles players, mm-hmm. encouraging them to play more doubles. I think you become just a, a better all round player. And as we're we're just talking, and you know, on the court right now, Dominic team. You know, for me, if he played uh, a few more events. Um, you know, we we know that he Is that can possible of uh, in doubles, <laughs> <laughs> not on top of the twenty eight that he plays through the year. But if he if he um, maybe signed up for some doubles tournaments, I know that he played with David Goffin uh, a number of times mm-hmm. this season. But I think that's an area that if he got uh, slightly more comfortable in transitioning from the baseline to the net, that that would translate over to his singles. And uh, that's an area that maybe in time, the same with. Uh, Sasha Zerith. Um,
7: well, that, that's what Bjorki was trying to do with Marion Cilic. Yeah, and we saw it at Queen's yeah. when he got to the semi-finals in the doubles, and, and after his singles, when he said to Jonas, <laughs> you must be so happy that he's through to today, he said, no, no, I was happy with the doubles when earlier today, because yeah. he was coming forward, he wanted to go forward, he was winning points, and he said, as a coach, and from my point of view, that was wonderful to see, and we are thinking, oh, okay, great. Yeah, yeah
6: totally and understand. it's a very nice stepping stone, because, you know, it's one thing doing it in practice, one thing talking about it, then you do it in practice, and then you do it in a little Little bit of fire. I mean, uh, in competitive environment, so you you know, it's stages before you can actually put it into to the singles itself. And I mean, there's you know, Mark, you were you were legendary around the net, but a lot of these guys, you know, you really could see their skills developing, and uh, and and the, the top guys as well. You see Andy when he plays; he's a great double. Andy Murray plays good doubles. Yeah. I mean, there's Davis Absolutely. the Davis Cup. He won it. You know, the singles and. Uh, all the doubles with Jamie, but you know, even he, I think, could improve a lot around the net, the sharpness of the volley. And
2: yeah, and and it's not necessarily just being up at net; it's that that movement from sure. the baseline forward. Uh, well, that's
6: actually the more difficult part, isn't it? Because is. anyone
2: can volley standing still. Roy Emerson uh, told me uh, mid-year. I was talking to him about certain players and serve and volleying, and uh, or the lack of um, seeing it. And he r- repeated a story that Richard Crychek Years ago, before he'd won Wimbledon, had approached Roy Emerson, the legendary Roy Emerson. Absolutely. Please help me with my serve and volley. And Emo turned to him and said, "Well, um, you know, you're going to take six months off." And Richard Krajicek said, "Why am I taking six months off?" And he said, "Well, you just asked me, you know, my thoughts on how to help you with your serve and volley. So for six months, all you're going to be doing is hitting second serves and going to net." That association didn't really <laughs> go any further. Richard um, apparently didn't want to take the six months off, but but that's you asked the question to a straight-talking Aussie. You <laughs> got it. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that's the you know their their idea of you know trying to improve something is you know you take some time off and yeah. you do it every day.
0: From one doubles legend to another, and this time a record seven-time champion of the tour and finals, Peter Fleming former partner, of course, of John McEnroe. Fleming very much a champion of singles players playing more doubles and also a fan of the changes to the doubles rules, which came into effect a few years ago.
4: I think it's great. I think the idea of, of shortening the doubles match is, you know, the, the, the whole idea behind it, I think, was to get more singles players to play and and also to ease the scheduling so the tournament directors knew how long a doubles match would take. Uh, I don't see, I don't understand why young singles guys don't play more doubles. Okay, so we, we see Sasha Zverev, who's played probably 10 or 12 tournaments this year. That's good, and it will have helped him in, in developing his four-court game. But, but, you know, doubles is about returning serve. It's about covering the net, moving at the net. And, and I think the game, the singles game, is heading in that direction. Guys are going to have to, to, to learn to win from the forecourt. And and so doubles is a perfect practice uh, ground for that. I hope you'll indulge me just for a little while. I just wanted
0: to ask you about, uh, you know, ask you to look back. You, you won seven titles with John McEnroe, '78 through to '84. Um, your memories of the first one?
4: Uh, well, all seven of them were played at Madison Square Garden, which was really a thrill for both of us because we grew up outside of New York. And uh, you know, my favorite basketball team was the New York Knicks who played at Madison Square Garden. And um, it had a, an immense aura around it. And so for us to go in there and win, and, you know, where my high school friends could come and watch and, and you know, celebrate with me, it was, it was a great thrill. And, and so uh, every year was, uh, was exciting. For me, you know, to be able to, to play there seven times was a thrill. To win there seven times was, you know, beyond belief. A favorite final, the hardest, toughest final that
0: you can remember, one that really stands out?
4: We played, um, you know, Hewitt and McMillan were the number one team in the world before we eclipsed them. They were, we played them one year in the finals. Another team that was a, 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 a great team, Ocker in feedback. Tom Ocker, who's up for the Hall of Fame. This year, he won 77 doubles titles, 30 singles titles. Uh, Wojtek feedback both Ocker and feedback were top 10 singles players. They were uh, a rough pair. McNamara and were a great team. You know, there were a lot of uh, of good teams. Smith and Lutz were both top singles players. You know, so so um, I, I think we were we were lucky in that indoors w- was our best surface, and and uh, I, we you know we we played pretty well in New York. So all the, you know, all the matches were fun.
0: You mentioned indoors. Um, how much would you have liked to have played here at the
4: O2? Pretty special? Oh, more than special. Yeah. This place is immense. It's, uh, the, the atmosphere here is, is a lot better than it was in Madison Square Garden. I mean, it really is, uh, to be able to play uh, these doubles guys must have thought they've died and gone to heaven because to when most of their matches are finishing, you know they've got at least fifteen thousand people in in the stands, and and you know we, we did that maybe you know well maybe once or twice a year, you know, and so so for them to to be able to play three matches in front of at least fifteen thousand people has to be a, a huge thrill. I would kill to do that. And staying with the doubles theme, one half of the
0: second alternate team, Rajiv Ram joined Mars McLagan and myself. For a chat
8: early on in the week, I still like tennis. I still, you know, it's fantastic to watch, you know, all these guys in singles and doubles, you know, play. Uh, It's the top eight players and top eight teams, so there's definitely an enjoyment aspect of it. It it does make for quite a long day because you're just here, kind of the whole day, waiting around just in case something were to happen. But uh, no, there's certainly there's certainly worse things,
0: so I don't mind it. Because you almost went the whole way last year. Your your memories of reaching the final and not quite getting it done last year. Well, I mean, it's uh, it was
8: a great it's a great event. Look, it's a great event to be a part of, yeah. one way or another, you know. And last year was the first time I got to be here and making it to the finals. We qualified as the seventh team last year. The reality is, it's not that much different. We qualified as the seventh team last year, and this year we ended the ninth team. So I think it's a difference of a few hundred points, but it's it's in or out. So, um, you know, certainly a nice place to come back to, even though I'm not playing this year because there are good memories.
0: And uh, earlier today, you were in with Lee Goodall and Alf Palmer, yeah. calling the the Brian's game for yeah. television. Um, is a transition into media something that, that interests you? Is that something that you, you want to get into long-term? Oh, I don't know. I like it.
8: I mean, I like the sport. I enjoy watching it. I actually find for myself, like, when I sit there and actually watch a match and try to commentate on it, I actually focus so much better and, and I pay attention to what's going on. So it's uh, I get a lot more out of it even for me. But I, I, I like it. I, I like kind of seeing what... I, uh what's going on out there and and try and picking it apart a little bit and those guys those guys were great it's just again the life of an alternate like you said i mean i have to sit there and sit here and wait the whole day so i i just asked if i could maybe be a part of it i did a little bit at wimbledon this year and i enjoyed it so they they were nice enough to
0: let me go in there with them miles you're a seasoned campaigner now when it comes to this a former player who's transitioned in any any words of wisdom well i think
6: um I, i was actually when the, when this tour finals was in Houston and, and I was there with um, Kevin Elliott and, and Wayne Black, and uh, I have to say it was a good tournament, but they hadn't ranged a whole lot for the alternates, and we, we knew we were in the mecca of golf, and we were Kevin Elliott and I were, we were very frustrated. So I, wonder, I mean, it's a chance. You know, obviously you come to London for Wimbledon and you're working, but you know maybe you can get around the city a little bit yeah. and do you know because travelling, it's you know the answer is you've always you've been everywhere and seen nothing. Are you getting out a little bit this week or?
8: Well, wow, I mean, it's it. the toughest thing, honestly, is the schedule. I mean, because we, we the first match is at 12 and the second match is at 6. So it's like you got to be here for the start of that through half of it. And then you got to be back for the start of the next one. So it's like it doesn't leave you with a whole lot of time and you got to be here every day. But definitely in the evenings, I hope to catch a couple shows or do something in the evening. Because, I mean, like you said, when you're actually involved in the tournament, the last thing on your mind is anything like that. You're just trying to prep for the next day. So... I'm going to do my best to do that a little bit. Been fighting jet lag some too right now, so that's another problem. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just finally, there's a, a final question for you. The best, hardest, I guess, doubles team you've ever played against. Okay, it's a good question. I,
8: I got a couple answers for that. For, for me, when, when the Bryans are playing well, when they, when they were at their absolute peak playing well, you always felt like you could play with them, but you felt like you weren't necessarily going to win. Because they just made it so their energy, their, their way they, the, the way they brought the way they sort of you know brought so much to the court. For me, the toughest guy individually to play, and I've had this with a couple partners with him was was Danny Nestor. I felt like I never played against the Woody, so I I don't know, but um, with Danny, you know, he just brought a lefty serve that was tricky. He was good off both wings, he was great at the net, he could kind of Mold his strengths and weaknesses to find, you know, to fit his partners, and and whether it was with Zimonjic or with Mirny or, you know, even later with a few others, I just felt like he he brought a lot of difficulty to the court, and and um, so he, he for me was the, the at his best the, the best individual guy I've ever played.
0: Ram, along with his partner Ravn Klassen was eventually called into action. Unlike the second singles alternate, Sam Query.
9: You know, coming into this, I think everyone knew Rafa was a little 50-50. So um, I think for Corina Busta, he was really more in the mindset, you know, there's a good chance I get in as a first alternate. I still need one other guy to go down, which, um, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the other guys are, are healthy and, and feeling good. So um, I'll be ready if I need to, but I'm, not, I'm assuming I won't go in
0: talking to your countryman Rajiv Ram yesterday who's obviously an alternate in the, in the doubles draw and he was saying you know it's a bit of a tough life as an alternate. You, you're not really sure what to do with yourself. you need to be here pretty much all day every day. What are you doing to keep yourself busy?
9: Yeah I'm, I mean I'm here with a, a coach and a, a fitness trainer that I use. So I've been working out and hitting a little bit and trying to make the best of my my long days at the courts because like Rajiv said, you're here uh, pretty much start to finish just kind of hanging out and, and you're kind of like an insurance policy for the, uh, for the crowd and tournament. But, you know, there are worse things you can be doing, so it's not it's not as bad as what people may think. Box sets, TV shows? You know, honestly, no. I mean, I haven't been getting back to the hotel until 11, 30, 12, and going to bed and waking up and having breakfast and coming over here. It's more just kind of lounging around, hanging out, chatting with people.
0: In terms of practice, how intense is the practice when you're an alternate?
9: Um, not very intense for me. I've been hitting about an hour a day, working on really more specific type things with my coach, almost like a one-on-one lesson. But in the gym, I've been doing two gym sessions a day. So, um, my body's pretty sore from that. And that's kind of the the focus while I'm here.
0: I guess, you know, the the end of such a long season, you want to put your feet up as much as possible.
9: Uh, definitely. You know, it's a little bittersweet. It's, it's an honor to be here and it's, it's really cool even as an alternate, but at the same time, it's, it's nice after 10 months to be able to go home and, and just relax. But, um, you know, I think pretty much every guy would, would take this being here as an alternate over a week off.
0: What have you got planned?
9: Um, I've got a John Isner's wedding in a couple of weeks, a, a little trip to Hawaii. And other than that, just just relaxing at home.
0: One man who will surely now be relaxing somewhere is the NITO ATP Finals champion, Grigor Dimitrov.
10: It's a different morning today. Uh, you wake up and just... You don't think about anything else, but it's great when you have that that trophy in your hands. It, it really means a lot to me. So yeah, you know, to end up the season on such a good note. I mean, it's all I was after. And next thing you know, is I I'm, I'm waking up and feeling great. <laughs>
0: it's been a long journey.
10: I think, especially a couple of years ago when I when I dropped my ranking to the low low 40s, I think that was that was a tough moment for me, absolutely. But I appreciate it that time back then because it really, really showed me a lot and taught me a lot. That was a period when I was most uncertain. I think, obviously, about myself, about my game, and the way how I wanted to structure myself as a player. After that, you know, I just never, never lost a belief in the belief and the faith. I think we're gonna have for sure higher goals for next year.
0: And the support of his family has been there all the way.
10: They were just proud, I guess. Uh, My dad is very low on emotions, to be honest. (laughs) My mom is the more vocal one. I mean, my dad was my tennis coach. I mean, forever he taught me how to play tennis. And I think this this means the world to him, to be honest. I think it was spectacular for them. And I mean, for me, it was just like a a, such a great result.
0: And then there's his unassuming coach, Danny
10: He Honestly, he didn't say that much, which was pretty funny. The first time. he was actually the first one to walk off the court, and I was like, "Where is he?" Like, I want to take, I want to grab a picture with him and the trophy. But he was already in the locker room and just, just happy. And, and me and him have a, a great connection. We see tennis the same way. We have that bond a lot, and we really appreciate how the year has gone for us.
0: And of course, the fans.
10: I love the British fans too. I'm not gonna lie. They've, they've been, they've been great this uh, this whole week. And again, also the Bulgarians. Everybody's been. Been tremendous. This is the place that I love being.
0: So, will he now be able to deal with the pressure and expectation?
10: No, it's great. I, uh, I like it. I like it. You're always gonna have that red dot on your back now. But uh, I mean, this is this is the this is the nice thing in tennis. I mean, obviously, I know what to expect right now. So that's why I even need to be even more ready. Everything is simple, but it has to it has to go even more.
0: next week when we'll be dissecting the events and innovations at the next gen finals in milan and asking atp executive chairman and president chris kermode
2: what next we took a a lot of initial criticism because people said oh you're messing with the game and you know we're not messing with the game we're just looking to the future and we're trialing things and maybe none of it comes on the tour but you know we've got to look at the the next generation of fans to you know to watch it you know and we need to just address that going forward.
0: The ATP Tennis Radio channel is available to listen to throughout the year on atpworldtour.com and via the TuneIn radio and Tennis TV apps as a free-to-listen option. The weekly podcast can be found on TuneIn and on iTunes, where we would be delighted for you to let us know what you think and leave a review. Enjoy your tennis. See you next week.